Jared Free, and I want to welcome you to the podcast titled The Concern of God. Uh, many people will sit here and, and beg to differ that God does not get concerned or God does get concerned. Um, you know, and I'm bringing you the title of this message because I firmly believe that in today's society uh, with God's people, I believe that God is very concerned with his people. Um, I believe that he is concerned with how his people are acting and how his people are treating other people. And I believe that he is concerned about how uh, his people are being treated and how they feel. In this segment, we're going to come up and talk about how people are being treated and how they feel uh, when it comes to the concern of God. And God God is very concerned because this this society we live in has decided that they wanted to go ahead and do whatever they want to do regardless of laws of God or laws of man no matter what Uh, so I believe that God is definitely concerned about his people today Um, now we're going to go into the aspect of kind of um, establishing identity for a minute and first off I want to establish um, the lions in the Bible uh, you look at the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and we understand the Lion of the tribe of Judah being Jesus, uh, God the Father. You know, the Lion of the Lamb, you know, Jesus is considered as the Lion of the Lamb. But how many people believe that there's a lion that, that is going around that seeks who he may devour? I mean, there's just a lion that's going to eat everybody and devouring them uh, because he's allowed to do that and he's not. Um, I'm going to tell you that that is completely false. And some people may say, Jared, you're not being biblical. I'm asking you to stick with me and have an open mind on this one because I'm going to tell you right now that there is no lion in the Bible that's, that's seeking who he may devour. And we're going to go to 1 Peter 5.8 and we're going to prove this theory right quick because we have to establish who the enemy is. And uh, in 1 Peter 5.8 it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I want to establish this Bible verse real quick before we go on with anything else. Be sober. Be vigilant. Okay, Peter is saying, be sober. We need to be ready. He's saying, we need to be ready. We need to be alert because our enemy, the adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion. Did you catch that word like? Peter made it a point to say like a roaring lion, because he knew that this lion is nothing compared to the lion of the tribe of Judah or the lion and the lamb. See, the devil isn't compared as equal as God the Father, God the Son, even God the Holy Spirit, or even the children of God. People have this thing to where the lion is seeking around devouring, and he's causing problems in your life. I'm going to here to tell you that what the lion does is he roars in your mind, sitting here telling you the ideas that you're thinking, sitting here telling you the things that you can and cannot do. He's sitting here saying you're not good enough. You can't do that. You can't go that far. You can't be successful. You can't stop this habit. You, you're going to get divorced. Your wife don't love you. People don't love you. It's time to kill yourself. See, the devil is putting these these stinking stupid messages in people's minds and people are listening to it making a choice on letting the devil influence their life see the devil has 
no power over your problems. He has no power over your life. He has no power over you. So we have to first understand that the devil is not a lion. He's not anything compared to God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, even you. The devil is under your feet when you make that choice to allow God the Father to let that devil keep acting like a roaring lion. The only person that makes that devil a lion is you when you make the choice to do what he's roaring in your mind. I don't know if you remember the Lion King, and forgive my analogy on this, but you have um, the lions out there. you got Simba. And if you don't remember when Simba tries to do that roar with the hyenas, which was the enemy, his roar was more like, wow, 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 right? But when you get a Mufasa that goes, I know it's a lot deeper than my voice is, but you can laugh at that if you want. We're here to have fun too, right? But you see, here's the thing, that God the Father has the mighty roar and the devil has a little tiny roar. The devil has a little tiny roar unless you allow him to have a big roar. We have to understand the identity of Satan. The identity of Satan is under your feet. Now that we've established where Satan is, we're going to get back to that a little bit later, but we're going to establish something else that people are, are not understanding. If you are a child of God and you are saved, sanctified, delivered under the blood of the Lamb, you are Israel. You are Israel. You say, Jared, how can we be Israel? Israel is another country. We need to stop thinking about location and start thinking about identity spiritually. If you are children of God, you are spiritual Israel with no regards to boundaries. So now we're going to establish our identity as a child of God. Genesis 17, 2-7. If you, if you follow along with your Bible in, in these things, go ahead and follow along with your Bible because I want to establish our identity, who we are as children of God. Okay, We're going to establish ourselves as children of God who is spiritual Israel with no regards to boundaries. So Genesis 17, 2-7 says, And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. This is God talking to Abram. Then Abram fell on his face. How many, how many of us has really fell on our face in front of God lately? And God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name will be changed to Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Now, when we look at this, notice God changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham. See, he was establishing identity with Abraham. He's changing his name. And he's saying, and, and you're, keep your mind open here because we are spiritual Israel. Let's read the parts that, that sit here and say we are spiritual Israel. For I have made you a father many nations. Notice God says nations. This is a physical as far as the, the regions go. A father of many nations. So it's more than just Israel. Okay? And he says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. 
and I will make nations of you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. We are descendants of Abraham for an everlasting covenant. That means that covenant does not change. That covenant is, is firm, valid. It is not void. To be God to you and your descendants after you. God is saying, I will be your God if you're a children of God. If you're a child of Abraham, you're a child of God. And if you have made that commitment, that commitment to be a child of God, you're underneath that covenant with Abraham. So now we've established our identity. We've established the devil's identity, who he is, who he is not a lion. He's not as big as we make him to be. We've established that we are uh, children of Abraham. We are spiritual Israel. Now we're going to concentrate on a man after Abraham. And this is where our main focus is going to go to. We're going to concentrate on the man who herded flocks for his father-in-law. Now notice God loves to use people in analogies of flocks. Uh, he used David. He used analogies. Jesus used analogies while he was... Uh, doing his ministry as he was on the earth. Um, there were so many analogies of flocks in the Bible that Jesus used as sheep. Now, now that we have established we are spiritual Israel, we're going to establish one more thing before our main point. We're going to establish that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing changes with God and neither does his word. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You may look at me and say, Jared, that says Jesus Christ. It doesn't say God. Well, let me tell you something. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is God the Son, which means he is the same yesterday, today, and forever as much as his Father. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. So now the main point of this message is, God is concerned about his people. You may say, Jared, God knows everything. He's not a concerned God. He's not concerned. He doesn't worry. He doesn't do any of that. Well, let me ask you a question. Is, are we made in the image of God, or is God made in the image of us? We are made in the image of God, which is big. It's huge. Because you look at your feelings, you look at your emotions, you look at everything, Right? Guess what? If you're made in the image of God, that means he has the same emotions, the same feelings. The same emotions, the same feelings. God just doesn't sin in them. We do. So God is concerned about his people. And we're going to go into that concept here in a minute. But you see, God is concerned about the, nor the normality that is happening in our society today. I had a conversation uh, with a brother in Christ not too long ago. And he made a statement that really floored me because I was talking to him about something that I didn't agree with that may have gone along the lines against the Word of God that, that were getting to that point. And I was kind of wondering something. Now, I'm not going to go into what, what the issue was um, because I'm not about smearing and about... about uh, telling people about things and making other people look bad. That, that has nothing to do with what I'm about. Okay, I'm about uplifting people. I'm not about uh, smearing people. But 
this brother in Christ made the comment, because I brought it up to him, and he made the comment, well, that's becoming normal, so. And I was floored by that comment, because if that's becoming normal, what else is becoming normal that we're paying attention to, that we're going to allow to pay attention to? That's the question. And I, I sent a response back, and I said, there's a lot of things becoming normal in society today. Are we going to allow it to happen? And I'm not going to get into the gist of the response to that, but I'm going to tell you that God is concerned about the normal that is becoming normal today. The things that are becoming normal today, he is concerned about. Because though this thing may be, may be a small thing that God is concerned for, uh, this may have been a small aspect of something, there's a lot of things that are normal in our society today which have been normal and people are accepting. For example, things become a normal in society and how it has affected us. Addictions, divorce, violence, murder, stealing, hopelessness, suicide, gossip, pain, offense, and dare I say social media and Facebook. As I was given this word in the church at, at this revival called the Hobo Revival, where a, a whole bunch of people came together and, and community preachers came and preached, I made a statement about Facebook and said, if you're on your Facebook during church service, you need to go ahead and text message and let the people know that the preacher said get off Facebook because there's something good that you need to hear. Facebook has really, there's, normal, normality has really come in and is destroying our nation. Us Christians need to understand what is normal and what is of God. Because there could be some things that are normal, and they're of God. But when you look at the timelines, things in society today are getting worse. And the normality is becoming unrighteousness. If God's people accept and approve self-righteousness and unrighteousness, which is sin, as normal in today's society... They will lose ground in the spiritual war, not only in the body of Christ, but within themselves. God's people must not allow the normalist society to bring us into submission of the golden calf. Basically, if we start accepting normal in society when it's against God's word, there's a problem. And God's people are going to pay for it. You see, we don't have to accept the normalist today's society. We have to sit here and stand our ground and say, you know, this ain't right, this ain't right. See, God, he doesn't want us to judge. Jesus did say don't judge. But the word also says that if your brother is in sin, gently correct him. Gently correct him. You know, when we grab people for Christ, we don't go out there and tell them they're going to hell. We go out there in love and we pull them in. We tell them that your addictions can be severed, your divorce can be restored, your violence, there's no more. If you're thinking about murder, you don't have to do it. Your hopelessness can be turned into hopefulness. Your suicide can be turned into life. Your pain can be turned into healing. God is concerned with his people. See, Christians, we can't forget about Christians. Our Christian brothers and sisters, as we're going off doing the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're suffering from addictions. They're suffering from divorce, violence, murder, stealing, hopelessness, suicide, gossip, pain, offense. They're suffering from it as much as anybody else is, and there's nobody there backing them up. 
God is concerned with his people. Let's go to Exodus 3, 7 through 10. And I'm going to prove to you that God is concerned with his people. Because we establish that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've established that we are the Israel, which you can sit here and say we're Israelites. We're spiritually Israelites. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Exodus 3, 7 through 10. We're going to break this down for a second. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned. You see that word? If you're in the NIV version, you're seeing that word. And I am concerned about their suffering. I find this very interesting. The Lord is seeing the misery of his people. He has heard them crying because of the slave drivers. And he is concerned about their suffering. So let's change this around a little bit to today's age. Say this is us in today's age. And we're going to go back to, to this part. The Lord said, I have indeed seen my misery, seen the misery of my people in, let's change that word Egypt, and put bondage. So I have indeed seen the misery of my people in bondage. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. Those are two words I want you to understand. Bondage, slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. Who, what is your slave driver today? God is concerned about your slave driver. He's concerned about your bondage. The slave driver could be your problems, your issues in life. The slave driver could be addictions. Hopelessness could be your slave driver. Suicide could be your slave driver. Pain in your body could be your slave driver. Well, God is sitting here saying he's seen the misery of his people in bondage. But here is what God is about. He finds this very interesting. I find this very interesting because verse number 8. This is the good part. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land. Flowing with milk and honey. We're going to go on to verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. Remember we established. I have established that we are Israelites spiritually with God. Has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What I'm trying to tell you right now is, is God has heard your cry. We have established the Israelites is us. God's children. So God has come down to rescue you from the hand of bondage to bring you up out of a land of good, spacious land flowing with milk and honey. God is ready to deliver you if you allow him to do it. And why I say deliver you, if you have addictions to things that are hurting your life, if you are on the urge of divorce and you need restoration, you'll get restored. If you are in the middle of violence, domestic violence, or you see domestic violence, that can be restored. And if you see people getting murdered or somebody's been murdered or you lost a loved one or if they're stealing, if you're hopeless and you need hope, you can have hope because God wants to deliver you. If you're thinking of suicide, you can have life because God's going to give it to you. If you have pain and you need healing, God is ready to give it. If you need to get rid of a fence, God will let you do that. 
but you have to choose to do it and not let that devil who's roaring around like a roaring lion trying to roar in your head that you can't do that. I'm here to tell you that the devil is like a roaring lion. You could stomp on his feet, kick some teeth out. You could do whatever you want to him. And the way that you do it is, is you trust God to deliver you out of that. And you sit here and you have faith more abundantly to sit here and say, God, I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to take care of these problems. Lord, I confess that these are my issues and I confess right now that you are Lord and you're going to take care of them as you promised in your word. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. It doesn't say I want to hurt you. Matter of fact, it says the complete opposite. I have plans that do not harm you. So here's the deal. God wants to deliver you and he has heard your cry. Stop. Don't stop crying out to him. He has heard you. In his timing, he will take care of you. Now we look at Exodus 14, and all of us know about Exodus 14. This is the Red Sea crossing. I want you to imagine the Israelites, when they're setting off, and Moses doesn't go the way that he wants to go. He goes the way that God wants him to go, on a straight path. Now I want you to keep in mind that when Jesus was here on earth, he spoke of the straight and narrow. We have to be on the straight and narrow. That's how we get to heaven is the straight and narrow. Notice that the Israelites went on a narrow path to get to the Red Sea. And they're probably all happy. You know, the signs, the wonders, the miracles of being delivered. And they're looking ahead of them and they're seeing a cloud by day and fire by night, which is the hand of God leading them to the Red Sea. And what happens? They get overcome with problems that happen ahead of them, and they see the Red Sea and there's no outlet. They turn around and the Egyptians, which is the enemy, coming back after them. Now they start to look at Moses and say, what are you going to do? Thank God they had a leader that believed and trusted in God because what Moses did was he said, yeah, well, God will deliver. He has delivered you out of the Egyptians. He will deliver you out right now for good. So he raised his hands and he did what God said, lift your hands up. And when he did, that sea spread. The breath of God went right through there and spread them waters and made it dry land. That was the breath of God. They said, you know, in, in the Exodus 14, it says that a big wind came and it split the waters. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that the breath of God just went through the Israelites as they went through that passageway that God had made. I'm here to tell you that when you are facing your problems just like the Red Sea and you look back and you see the enemy, the devil coming at you, you don't need to sit there and hit that stumbling block. Matter of fact, most people go and they can't get away and the enemy comes up like a snare and they come, he comes behind them and he starts getting in their head. But instead, if you go towards those problems, you said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to move. God's going to breathe his breath into you and the sea will split and you'll be able to walk through your problems like nothing because God is on your side. And then when the enemy is coming back, it will close a trap on him and he will never be able to touch you if you have the faith in the real lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion and the lamb. I'm here to tell you that you can be healed. I'm here to tell you that your addictions can be gone. I'm here to tell you that restoration in your life can have it. Now, if you don't need any of this and your family needs it, I'm here to tell you that through you it can happen. You just have to believe by faith. 
You have to keep going by faith. Stay in God's word. Stay in prayer. Keep your ears open and keep going. Block that roaring out of your mind. Instead of listening to the roaring, I want you to sit here and let the waters rush in and the breath of God come in your life and fill you with his love and his grace and his mercy, his restoration, his healing. I'm here to tell you that you can have that. You can have that. God is concerned with his people. On a side note, God is concerned with his people and how they're treating others. As I said, if we're not treating people right, we're not of God. We need to treat people as Christians. And we need to treat each other great. We need to treat everybody with love. We've got to do it. But God is really concerned with his people feeling oppressed. His people feeling with misery. The misery of addictions, divorce, violence, murder, stealing, hopelessness, suicide, gossip, pain, offense. Listen to the voice of God instead of listen to the roar of the devil. If you are a child of God, you are entitled. You are entitled to what God can give you. If you're not a child of God, you're not entitled to nothing. In closing, there's something that Christians really forget and people really forget in order to get what they need in their life. Mark 11, 24, 25 it explains it so well. 24 says, I tell you, you could pray for anything. This is Jesus talking to his people. Not just the disciples. Jesus is talking to his people. I tell you, you could pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Everybody loves the aspect of that verse. But in verse number 25, this is what people don't like to do. Listen, children of God, we have to really understand this concept. We have to get into it first. And this is what Jesus says. This is what people don't like to do. And we have to get to the basics of getting this done. Because nothing in our life will be done unless we do this first. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. In the Amplified Bible, it says forgiveness is to let go. Period. To let go. So forgive anyone and let it go. You are holding a grudge against so that your Father in Heaven will forgive your sins too. What is your mind frame like? Are you having a roaring of the devil in your mind or are you having the roaring of the Almighty God in your corner? Listen, we have got to get to basics. God is concerned with His people and how we're treating others and he is concerned with his people and how we are being treated I will do a segment of how we treat others later but this is a message that God has brought on my mind that God is concerned with his people he is concerned for you so I tell you get in grace with God stay in grace with him stay doing what God wants you to do don't quit. Don't give up. Have faith that he's going to restore you. Because just as the Israelites, which we have identified ourselves with Israelites, spiritual Israelites, 
just as they saw the problems with the Red Sea. Right? They got through those problems because God made a way for them to get through. I hope this message has blessed each and every one of you. I hope that uh, the Word of God has flowed through you. I hope that the breath of life is going through you at this moment, at this time. And if not, I pray that God breathes life into you. So, this is the end of our podcast, The Concern of God, and I really hope that you enjoyed it. And I enjoyed bringing it to you. Never forget, Jesus is real, Jesus is true, and Jesus is the real truth. God bless.